When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is October 26th, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. Welcome into the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky. I hope you guys are having a great day, a great week, enjoying the Bruins playing a normal schedule now. I know now we have to wait uh, until technically tomorrow for the Bruins to play again, which is about three days in between their last game. But now the schedule starts to get more normal, which is which is very fun for everybody. The Bruins are doing well. Doing well so far. Got two big wins over the weekend. Uh, and in this episode, Connor Ryan and I discussed uh, a, a debate I think a lot more people should be having, and that is, is Brad Marchand a top five player in the NHL? I think, you know, obviously we always talk about, is he, you know, the top left winger? Is he, uh, you know, top 10? But I think when you really think about it, he has all the merits to be a top five player in the NHL. So we discussed that at length today. Uh, we also discussed the win against San Jose. Was it more encouraging or was it more concerning? We discussed guys stepping up in uh, in terms of the injury bug. And then we asked some questions about Jack Sednica. His usage was pretty questionable uh, on Sunday and doesn't seem like it's really going anywhere with him. So we discussed all those things. Again, today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online and our friends over at INSA. Go to both of those places today. And without further ado, here's my conversation with Connor Ryan. And we're here with Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up? Evan, doing well. How you doing? Doing great. Doing great. We are well into this season at this point. It's still technically kind of the beginning. What is it? Yeah. Four, for the four, Bruins, it's four games it's in. It's been four games, yeah. Four games. The Kraken just played their home opener on was Kraken, it Thursday? Kraken no, played Saturday like, night. Kraken played like 28 games at this point. All on the road. Yes. <laughs> All on the road. Um, lost the home opener. Lit first goal. I'll give him that. Place went bananas. Um, cool arena. We'll give him that. But not the greatest product on the ice. Not riveting. No, it's not particularly. It's, you know, I guess when you build a whole team based on, like, your goaltending and, like, defense, it doesn't really create a – especially if you're, like, a casual hockey fan, it doesn't really create, like, a, a riveting in, uh, product on the ice. That's for sure. No, and even like they they were introducing the the forwards, and I was kind of like, oh, the most notable is like Jaden Schwartz or mm. Jordan Eberle, and I'm like, well, that's not going to be the greatest draw for fans uh, that I could think of. Um, but anyways, your Boston Bruins won two games over the weekend, beating the Sabers Friday night. 
and then beating these Sharks on Sunday afternoon. Two weird times uh, for games. Very weird times. Um, not something that is normal at all. Jack Edwards said on Sunday, I don't even know what day it is. Yes. So that was, I, I heard that as like tweet. Yeah. <laughs> That's an easy tweet. <laughs> um, and then that out of context Bruins account. Mm-hmm. Saw it and was like, should I make an out of context Jack Edwards? And I was like, how have you not Absolutely. already made an out of context Jack Edwards account? Are you kidding me? Like that'd be, that'd be, I feel like that'd be more easy to do than an out of context Bruins Twitter account in some ways. I mean, like the, the content you would get would be pretty consistent over the course of a season. Just listening to the broadcast. So there's so much Jack. Think about it. Jack Edwards talks for almost two hours, like three times a week. You're going to find so much if you just listen in that time. Um, that you could tweet. So hopefully they do that. I hope they do because I think there's a lot of content there um, to mine. However, there's there was one consistent in the beginning of this Bruins season that I keep looking at. And it always, not that it surprises me, but when you look at like the numbers, if you look at the actual stats, big stat geeks, you realize how good Brad Marchand is. Like obviously we see him, right? Like, we're, you know, the plays he makes, the plays he creates. There were even some on Sunday against the Sharks that he, you know, made some magnificent puck play and nothing came of it, but it was still just like, whoa, like that was something. Um, and we always say, you know, is he the top left winger in the game? And I think it's safe to say we probably both think he is. Artemi Panarin's up there as well. Some say Kucherov. Mm, Got to play the regular season there, buddy, um, to be considered in that regard. Great value in terms of what he brings in terms of cap relief in the playoffs. No one could beat that, but. No, no, you can't beat that. Uh, Marchand's close, though, with his contract. But we always say he's a top left winger, but we, we sometimes leave out, what is he in the game? Like, consider everybody. Now, he has seven points in four games this season. Very good. Uh, but I was looking at stats, and uh, since... 2019-20 until now. He ranks he's tied for third with Nathan McKinnon in the NHL in points. Above him is only Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl. And I feel like that's something we don't consider enough because that doesn't just put him in the top of the left winger category. That's top of the league. Like is is he a top 5 player in the NHL? I mean, if he's not, he's like, it's not like he's clearly, I think, a top 10 player. Yes. And if he's, if, you know, he's above that, I don't think he's like nine or eight. Like he's like six, seven, like he's, he's like a tier below that in terms of, you know, there's obviously the McDavid, there's guys like that. But in terms of what he brings, and as you said, there's Panarin, Ovechkin is the best, maybe pure goal scorer. But in terms of everything that he brings to the table, it's not like he's like a, a guy that, offensively, you know, he's so good. He can play power play PK transition games. Great. Um, and he's also like a point per game guy, like no over a full span of season. Like he, if it wasn't for, you know, COVID, he very well could be in the running for pulling off what three straight hundred point seasons. I mean, he was on pace last year. So, I mean, the fact that, you know, it's not that he's just such a complete player. He's also elite in so many areas. I mean, um, there's very few guys. I think that you notice him on, every single shift like there's you know there's the McDavid's where every time he's out there you're like oh man but um what Marchand brings in terms of even strength offense power play uh again they try to limit how much PK you know work he gets with Bergeron just in terms of you know preserving him but you notice when he's out there on the PK a lot of times if there's a great eight chance going the other way most likely it's a two-on-one with Bergeron and Marchand um uh, everything else he brings, I mean, leadership, uh, you know, you look at every year, it's a, a recurring theme during dev camp and that, you know, Martians either they're already working out or the guys reference him as, 
you know, uh, a guy that they want to model their game after just in terms of how competitive, how much he wants to improve every single year. Um, I mean, Marshan even said after that, uh, San Jose game where he scores a goal, what, 28 seconds into the game, another dominant performance. He's like, yeah, I don't think I've been particularly good so far this year. I've been like tired after games. Like, I think I still have to work on a lot of stuff. It's like, all right, what, what's the next tier? And if there is, that's terrifying for the rest of the NHL and very good for the Bruins because, uh, he's already, right up there as being probably one of the most complete players in the league. And if he has another gear that he can hit, uh, I mean, he literally could put himself in the hot conversation. I mean, we've talked about the heart before where he'd factor in, but if he plays at this level and he can get even better, I think he's going to be right in the mix because few guys can excel in so many areas like he can. Yeah. I mean, Dom isn't at the athletic already has, um, Martian is third in the projected NHL scoring race this year with projected 103 points, which would be 41 goals and 62 assists. Not bad coming in behind McDavid and Drysdale. I mean, I just, I listed some names even that might be better than him or would be in that top 10 category. You know, you have McDavid, your Drysdale, your McKinnon, Ovechkin, probably Victor Hedman in there. Um, Sidney Crosby, Matthews, maybe M- Matthews, maybe Patrick Kane. I mean, he is pretty effective. I know the Blackhawks blow. Right now, that team is awful. I got to say, uh, who could have seen this coming that instead of rebuilding like a normal team, uh, ripping up the game plan and then just signing veterans and hoping to fast forward through, was going to spectacularly implode on this team. It, it's shocking to see, really, right? Like, we couldn't, couldn't have seen that happen. No, not at all. No. And I feel bad for a guy like Marc-Andre Fleury, who went from a great situation in Vegas to hearing to that he got traded on Twitter. Act. To a circus act. Yeah, I mean, just terrible terrible team um yeah I, that team is awful I, i'm very curious to see how they i mean they have they they have not led yet this year you know how wild that is what are they five games into the seasons four five or five? six five or six even and they have not led a game you haven't even scored the first goal you haven't been up one nothing two to one that's incredible that is that is incredible like when i saw i didn't realize that stat but when i first saw that i was just i've never Heard of a team going six games without like leading like that, especially a team like that. Yeah. It's incredible. Um, I can't wait. I, I'm interested to see how they deal with that. Does call it and get fired? Does I like, imagine I like most things they've done after riding the coattails of that franchise, they will probably bungle it and fuck it up like they have done for traditionally the last 50 plus years of their existence. So yeah. What would, what would lead you to say that? Mm. Um, but, but I do think there's only a, a, a handful of guys who would buy for top five, um, consideration i think martian's right there i think you could argue he's easily top five or not I, easily but I, I argue that he's think, in the four or five range i also think if like you miss him for an extended stretch i mean there's like mcavoy obviously like for the defense it's like oh but as much as you know let's say like bergeron misses two weeks so, like all right like sun death's already in rough shape like they're gonna clearly miss him but like if martian like missed like a month uh I mean, he's literally, even just offensively, is like almost like the get-out-of-jail-free card, right? Where, like, you could be sluggish all game, and all of a sudden, I, I don't know where he makes something happen. Like, that's just how dynamic he is, how assertive he is with the puck. Uh, you just get results in whatever role he's playing in. Uh, he's effective at it. So if you, like, missed him for a month, it would, I think, be a brutal hit for this team. That just shows his importance with this team, but just across the league. Like, few guys have that amount of impact on one game. He's the most irreplaceable yeah. member of that offense. And you could say team even. I mean, I, I got, I don't know how you, you can't replace a Brad Marsh. I mean, even Taylor Hall last year was saying, you know, I look up to a guy like Brad <laughs> Marsh and the way he plays. And it's so, it always interests me that, you know, if you look back to when they were both entering the league, 
they could not have been more opposite players, right? Brad Martian was a fourth liner. We've talked about this before, but a fourth liner, you know, kind of a grinder type, you know, scrappy player. Taylor Hall was, you know, as he is kind of now skilled, top tier offensive, uh, left winger, certainly top three back or, you know, a top line player back then. And it's, it's changed so much. Um, at least on Martians and in the past, uh, 10, 11 years. So very interesting to see that. But yeah, I think top five is not crazy. I don't think that's like, you know, oh, what? And I think it's funny because I don't know if the rest of the league realizes this. You know, I don't know if they understand how good he's become and how good he's been for a while now. This is not like one or two good seasons. This has been like getting better every single year. And he's been elite now for four or five years, which leads me to my next point. This is why you have to compete. This is why you have to do what you said and going out and getting Tomas Hurdle, Tomas Hurdle at the deadline. This is why you have to get defensemen to bolster that back end because Marchant's prime, and we were saying this, I remember back when they lost to the Islanders, Marchant's prime is not lasting forever here. And he's a smaller guy. So you do wonder, you can't waste these years. You cannot waste these years. And it just goes back to, again, you have a top five player in the league. You have to compete. And it's even more, it's even more dire. I mean, granted, Martian has a cup, but it's even a little more dire than Drysaddle and McDavid with Edmonton because they're younger. Yes. You know, they're, they're, those are younger guys. Martian is not, Martian's what? Is he 31 or two? 33, right? 33. Yeah. My bad. An honor of the NHR. Good for him. Um, he's probably right. 33. He's 33 years old. So, uh, definitely have to watch out for that. Always a safe bet that, uh, that Brad Martian is, is going to be coming up big. Uh, and, and when we talk about safe bets, Bet online. They're back and they're better than ever. A new web interface for the start of basketball season, which is so fun and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet online remains your number one spot for all the basketball, football, and hockey action this season. Head on over to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive that 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code CLNS50 to receive your bonus. Again, CLNS50. From basketball, football, baseball postseason, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. You know what's funny, Connor? What's that? That's it. I was at the Garden on Friday night for the Celtics game. You brought and good luck. I made, yeah, <laughs> great luck. And I made some bets with Bet Online, and I, you know, I typically do this when I go to a game that I'm not covering because it's like, oh, it's fun, you know, you do it and it makes you more into the game. And uh, I'm not gonna sit here and say I did great. <laughs> I predicted them to win. <laughs> Maybe, mm. <laughs> but but I use Bet Online. I use Bet Online. I actually use it on my phone. Convenient. Very, very convenient. Very easy to use. It was very simple. Um, my friends were very impressed. They were like, "Damn, that was." Very oh, wow. They're yeah. all just, yeah. Make I would, the Celtics to win. Oh shit. Yeah. This guy's an expert. Okay. Basketball expert. Uh, but yeah, very easy to use. Um, and, uh, overall again, just fun times, fun times for all. It was very fun on Friday night, by the way, too. I had, I haven't been to the garden as like in the, in the regular seats, you know, with you, with you, with you common folk, uh, <laughs> for, for many, for many years now. Um, so it was you fun go, to go, go to back. Hub Hall? And, you know, like a little, little cafeteria kind of spot. No, it's pretty cool. I, we, it is cool. And we, we showed up kind of late. So I got my typical chicken fingers and fries because like, ah. you can't go wrong. Garden chicken fingers and fries hits so different. Yes. So good. Expensive down east was 15 bucks. 15 bucks for a down east. It's quite hefty. 
Very hefty. Um, speaking of hefty, the Bruins offensive game on Sunday, three goals, right? Pretty much right off the bat. Um, but then later in the game, they give up some goals. They, uh, almost lost it. There was, there was a real chance there at the end. It was James Reimer's revenge that they were going to, you know, lose that game in the third period after being, uh, up four to one. Now I ask you, what is more, uh, um, encouraging or concerning are you more encouraged by the offensive fast start and their ability to well not ability to hold the lead but ability to not completely implode or are you more concerned by the fact that they almost did implode uh i think i'm more encouraged by the i I focus more on the positives in a game like that and even after the game uh someone asked bruce cassidy question like you know what what do you kind of chart out as being you know how the game kind of unraveled there and cassidy kind of more or less pushed back of like he didn't think they unraveled it was too tips to deflections that even the best goalie is usually not going to catch. I mean, like just bad, bad breaks their way. It wasn't like, you know, obviously they pushed a little bit there after I think it was a uh, hurdle had the first goal, um, pushed a little bit. Then against, the against second the goal future, against the yes. future game. <laughs> Very for a lot of foreshadowing there. Um, but even like, I remember maybe I was bad luck, but right before hurdle scored that goal, I looked at like, just like the, the shot metrics and stuff. And obviously the Bruins start off really strong in that game. Uh, San Jose pushes back a little bit at the end of the first, but after that, like the second period through about midway through the third period, they weren't getting anything. Like, I think they were at like 16 shots on goal with like, you know, about eight minutes to go and then they get that little push. So, uh, I, I focus more, I think, on the, the positives of a game like that of, yeah, it's unfortunate that what looked like kind of a, a blowout or a snooze fest on a Sunday ended up being kind of, you know, uh, the pressure ramped up there at the end where you had to, you know, protect a one goal lead late, but, um, from the Bruins perspective, I don't think they're going to be looking at the, the film afterwards and be like, Oh, what happened? Like on, like how many fires we have to put out on defense to correct that? It was guys in front, tips, deflections. Like again, that's somewhat part of the game. So, uh, I'm not hitting the panic button over a game like that. Again, it's San Jose. And even though they were four and oh entering it, they're still not going to be that good, right? Like I, I don't think Aiden Hill's going to, you know, I think he entered the game with like a nine, six save percentage. Of course they bounce him out in the second period. So, um, but I think you look at some of the other positive things. Obviously, the first line, great as expected. Um, you know, we'll see what happens with like the second line, how they kind of revamp that. I mean, Nosek was good in that Buffalo game as a second line center. Not what you planned for him to be entering the year, but in terms of being a guy that can play up in the lineup, he has value there. I think uh, I wrote something over the weekend about just early impressions from the start of the year. And I said that Nosek has been arguably like their most impressive UFA pickup so far at least in terms of like he can be very good in the fourth line or in a pinch can, can do well. But um, whether it be that, Fulbert, uh, I think, had a better game. He's been so-so to start the year. But I think a game like that, especially where it got tight at the end, you kind of saw his value, not flashy, but brings value in that role of, you know, just kind of planting him down low, uh, protecting the net. Um, and then Jabrus gets on the board, which I think – even though that third line struggled a little bit as of late. And again, you don't have Felino, you don't have Smith right now, but um, just having him bury those great eight chances when they're there has to do, I think, wonders for his confidence. So I, I think, of course, you don't want, you'd rather be a four, one uh, walkthrough on a Sunday against a team like that. But uh, for, I think you look at the pros and cons and the positives, and negatives, there's still a lot of positives to draw from a game like that all across the board. Yeah. I wasn't super concerned with the comeback because it was, there were, again, you said there were tippins. That yeah. is, we're not like, you know, clean it wasn't like chances. The fly, it wasn't a Flyers game, like, you know, grade, oh, no. like grade A's or anything like that. No, it wasn't like they were just turning the puck over consistently um, and leading to this. It was 
just tippins and that, you know, that stuff weirdly to say happens. Um, so yeah, I was way more encouraged by again, offense look great. Um, and you mentioned the, the, you know, missing certain guys, you know, you're missing right now, Nick Felino, uh, Craig Smith was out, uh, on Friday and Sunday, correct? Craig Smith was out uh, both he days. played, he played on Friday and was bad. Like, I think it was something that he was, he sat on the second line, got bumped down and like still, I think, uh, the stat was, he was on the ice for, one. yeah, 27 to two, 27 oh, to two geez. shot attempts for Buffalo when he was on the ice in like 10 minutes. Which is like, I had to look, I had to like refresh natural stat trick like 10 times to be like, is there a glitch? But yeah, Buffalo had a 27 to two edge and shot attempts when Smith was on the ice. So yeah, you, clearly you said, not at a hundred percent. Yeah. You said that to me and Ty and you're like, is this right? Is, yeah. Like, is this it, correct? Uh, and I, I mean, uh, yeah, I, so again, you're missing those two, but on the, on the bright side, you are getting production from places. Again, Nosek is a guy who's been very versatile on your second line. It, it, you know, could be on the fourth line as well. Jake DeBrusque producing. Like, I think that's one of the huge. things that, you know, we talked about this last week. That's huge. That's huge. And again, it goes back to my thing at the beginning of the year. I'm going to hammer this home to get people to think, you know what? Maybe sometimes Evan can be right with his predictions. Your depth scoring is going to carry you. That's what's going to carry you. And if you're, if your depth scoring is there, you're going to win. You're going to, you're going to do well. And that's sort of what's happened, uh, thus far. Again, Jake DeBrus gets on the boards, two goals in four games. Was it, he didn't have, um, last year it took him 18 games to get it's to two something goals. Something like that. Yeah. It was, yeah, like it was a one huge goal gap. in the first 17 games. Yeah. And, it's and ridiculous. It, and it's just encouraging for him too, because I thought he had that really strong start against Dallas and then two kind of the lackluster games that you watch from DeBrus were like, all right, I didn't really notice him that much. Like, let's hope like this isn't a trend. And again, I think he's still going to go through those kind of peaks and valleys at times, but to have him snap back with a goal and a pretty engaged performance, just, you know, after a two game low, it's encouraging. Even if he's still kind of a hot and cold player, if the gaps are two games, three games where he's in between goals, as opposed to, you know, goal, <laughs> goal, uh, 10 days, you know, 10 games, like, like you'd rather have it much like, you know, you narrowing that, that level of inconsistency, which I think is going to be key for him. Cause as we said, if he just gets you 15, 20 goals, 40 points out of the third line, it's exactly what you need, which right now he's, I mean, he's on pace for hitting around that level. If he stays at this, if he's this engaged and he's that aggressive going to the net, he's on pace for what? 40 goals right now. I think so. So he's kind of uh overachieving a little bit, which I think yeah. we'll also take. Yeah. I think he's underachieving actually. If he doesn't 40 goals, I think it's time that that is true. to trade him for a bag of pots. Yeah, Get out of here. Get, get out of here. But, uh, yeah, no, the, the, people have been stepping up big, um, with the injury bug. And you know what's funny, uh, Connor? You know what's something that actually can help with injuries? Our good friends over at INSA. I'm going to talk about cannabis right now and specifically Massachusetts premier cannabis dispensaries, INSA. That's I-N-S-A, literally spelt as it sounds. They're the premier. Because the founders, Pat and Pete, re-engineered the cannabis model from what they sell to how they sell it while never forgetting you're, it's for everybody. It is for everybody. And so dispensaries are inviting and modern. So come in, even if just to learn more, the staff are authorities on the science who answer every question from differences between flowers and concentrates to offerings for insomnia and anxiety or Rico for just hanging out with friends. Again, this place you can just hang out. And also it's not just you know, it's not just flowers and stuff. They have balms and different things that can help with pain, as I mentioned. Insa has a world-class head chef, too, and only hires the most respected growers who perfected their craft when it wasn't so legit. One last thing. 
The Ansa founders are not just dudes from Silicon Valley, but lifelong pals from Springfield. So there's another team to root for, another local team to root for, and that is Insa. They're in Salem, East Hampton, Boston Delivery, and two Springfield locations, including just off I-91 beside the MGM Casino. Mention that we said to stop by for a sweet t-shirt for a penny or for or insa.com or 877-500-INSA. Again, mention us that we said to stop by and you get a t-shirt. And look at the t-shirt. I'm wearing it. I'm wearing a t-shirt. It has a rocket on it. Insa, guess where it's going? It's going to the moon. That's one of the shirts. They actually, they were generous enough to send me many of the t-shirts uh, that you can get. And they are actually very cool. I've been wearing them a bunch, a bunch. And they are very, they're very nice. And, and how like much are they of, again? What, what? One penny, a penny. Connor, I was at the garden the other night. Someone, a group of people ran up to me and they it was just- Lucky the Leprechaun, said, wasn't it? It was lucky the leprechaun. <laughs> you pulled a penny. You pulled a penny from the end of the rainbow. Um, just no, one. just just one it's penny. A, it's a really it's lack, like, that's a really lackluster treasure, to be honest. It with is, you, but but, you just, but enough, but but enough know, to get, but enough to get some really sick shirts from Insa. That's all that matters. Just one, just one penny to get a shirt from Insa. And they came up to me and they said, "Just one penny for a shirt." And I said, "Just one penny for a shirt." And that's what they got. So yes, go to Insa now and tell us, tell them that, uh, that we sent you. They're great guys, uh, and great people over there. All right. So, uh, Jack Stadnika got called up Sunday. It was Jack Stadnika day in Boston against the Sharks. And he entered in on the fourth line, didn't really play a ton, played only about nine minutes of five on five time, not a ton elsewhere. You didn't see a ton of them. Wasn't noticeable. I mean, again, he was playing with Carson Coleman and Trent Frederick. Um, I think there's a few takeaways from this. My first thought was why he didn't play with Coyle and Hall. I didn't really understand that. Why I get I get Nosek had a good game against the Sabers uh, on the second line, but Stanika is potentially a top six forward of the future for you. Why would you not against the San Jose Sharks in Game Four of the season? Why wouldn't you just try him out between Coyle and Hall? Did Cassie did not speak on that? Did he? He more or less just focused on his overall game and said he wasn't really noticeable, which. Uh, I mean, it's tough to get noticed when, I mean, you're on the fourth line. And again, we've talked about it before of mapping out, maybe he stops on the fourth line, builds his way up. Well, it's tough to, to get off of that fourth line when, uh, only 20% of your faceoffs are in the offensive zone. Like they weren't just like, you know, put them together on the fourth line. It was grind out shifts, like against top six competition. Like you're really not going to shine in a spot like that where you've got, um, where you're a young player like Sadika. Like it, and it's just, I think, the fact that, sure, he can start on the fourth line. He can take those tough shifts. And he has value, you know, if you want to put him on the PK, what have you. There wasn't one point where, like, he got swapped with no sick at all, which if you're going to see what this guy has, like, what better opportunity? It wasn't like Coyle was, uh, like, you know, dicing up the competition at 2C, where it's like, all right, well, our hands are tied here. Like, we can't we can't move Coyle. He was literally on the wing. And, again, no sick had a good game against Buffalo, but – you have to look in the long, let's look at, do the long-term look ahead. Is Tomas Nosek going to be your second line center in like a year from now, two years? Is Jackson Nika potentially going to be? He could, but you're not going to know if he's going to be buried on the fourth line in a role like that too. It's not, you know, there's been plenty of teams that, you know, their fourth line functions as more of almost like a, you know, they still get 50% ozone reps. Like they're not like just a pure shutdown line. So Nika was again, more or less fed to the wolves in terms of how they were, you know, matched up against San Jose. So, uh, yeah, it's a tough break for him. I mean, I don't think he was 
super engaged, but also it wasn't playing to any of his strengths at all. Um, it just, uh, it doesn't seem like it helps anyone long-term, short-term, anything like that, because the Bruins don't really know what they have in Sadika still, even though there was a two C spot that was available in that game. Uh, Sadika probably is going back down to Providence, not that confident. Like, all right, I played nine minutes of hockey. Didn't really impact the game that much. And you know what? Doug Wilson, the GM of the Sharks probably watched that game and is like, to call me about this kid. Really? Okay. Uh, well, last time I checked, Thomas Hurdle is still going to be part of the top trade target. I think a lot of teams would give up a lot for him. I didn't watch that game and think that, you know, I'm going to get pitched on Sinika being the key piece in a return. So, uh, it's just an overall, like, just, I don't want to say mind boggling, but just like a frustrating way of how, what seemed like a, a pretty easy opportunity for him to get those reps and it didn't fall his way at all. It's another example of them just really not using Stanika right. Again, you're not like how many years now we've been saying, what do you have in Stanika? Because they don't use him properly. It's been going on forever. The only time he ever came close to having like a chance was the beginning of last season. And then that just dissipated. That's been it. And and you would think they'd rather just get like, let's say maybe he's just, it doesn't work. Like he doesn't fit out. He doesn't fit on this roster and what have you. And he doesn't hit that potential. Wouldn't you rather know now? It's almost like Peter Solarik. Peter Solarik is ripping up the KHL. Peter Solarik put up great numbers in Providence. Wasn't cut for the NHL, right? At least during this Bruins system. You know what? They they put him with David Krejci for an extended stretch, and it didn't work out. But you know what? You you found out by doing that, right? Like, you, you penciled him in for a while and see if he fit, and it didn't happen. Like, you're not even assessing Sinega through that same lens of, like, putting him in a spot where he could potentially thrive. And you know, maybe it works out. Maybe it doesn't. But at the very least, you have your answer, right? When you have a game like this where Sinega's on the fourth line, do you get a a definite look at like how he could fare at the NHL. Not really, especially if he's only playing nine minutes a night. So it's, it's a tough, I think situation for everyone, but especially Stanika who, again, it's all about confidence. Like, I don't know how you leave a game like that being like, all right, well that down Providence got to build off of that game. It's like, all right, did I do enough? I don't think they liked what happened. Like it's, it's a tough situation. I'm almost sure that Carson Kuhlman has gotten more reps in the top six over the past three oh, yeah. years than Jack Stanika has. And that's, and again, like, I get it. There's more spots on the wings and you haven't been as solid there. You know, you have for the past few years, you've had David Krejci and Patrice Bergeron, but there's been opportunity, like an opportunity like Sunday is a legit opportunity to be like, Hey, you're going to play the second line between Taylor Hall and Charlie Coyle against the San Jose Sharks. Like that's a, that's a prime piece of real estate. That's a good test. That's a really good time to see. And they don't use it. They use it for Thomas Nosek. And it's just like, why? What is the, what, what's, as you said, the long-term value of this is not very high. And again, it's just another example of Stanika came up, filled in a spot, didn't play in anything that we'd ever really use him for, but we used him for it on Sunday and then just probably going back down to Providence. So just, I, I don't know. I, they continue to kind of misuse him. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, and again, if they're not going to use him then, when are they going to use him as a second line center? I don't know. I mean, that was a perfect opportunity to do it. Whenever I saw the lineup come out, I was like, well, why would Stanika not be the second line center? Why is, Tom, like, I, I would understand if they kept Coil there and put someone else on the right side. Right. But I was like, well, you, you, you're putting Coil on the wing. Why don't you put Stanika down the middle? So who knows with that? I, I, I don't really know. For, if anything, Jack Stanika could at least go and play and be a star for the Trashers. Have you seen that documentary? No, I've not actually. Okay, I so I, so I, I just finally watched it uh, Sunday night, um, and it was incredible. Highly recommend to anyone who hasn't watched it. Great documentary. I didn't, I never knew about that stuff. 
um, hilarious. It, rarely will you find a documentary with that good of characters, with that good of a story. Like the most mockable people you could put together, yes. the most mob boss kind of people were in that documentary. So if you haven't already seen it, go watch it. It's very fun, hilarious, and mind boggling that that actually like happened. Um, <laughs> that's minor league hockey, I guess. Um, anyways, around the league before we go, uh, Nick Ritchie and the Maple Leafs. Uh, not I working out. The Maple Leafs in general. Just, yeah. <laughs> I think they got big problems with Nick Ritchie, which I think is more or less what Sheldon Keefe has talked about with that team. That team, uh, does not look very engaged, nor it's going to be frustrating for them too, because I don't think like, you know, this is an indictment on like, the job that like Dubas and like the, the front office. I think they've done a good job of like building a like talented team, you know, putting the guys in right places. You could make the argument that the Tavares signing was bad in terms of allocating that cap. Like, but also you have to also, you know, it's like the Bruins, like, are they top heavy? Yes. But you know what? You can rely on them to generate, you know, a, a fair amount of the points in the standings just based on their production alone. You're getting none of that from Toronto's big stars, which is at that point. What can you do? Right. Like you've got Austin Matthews, who everyone says is, you know, what a top three player in the league. What, where's he been? What's Mitch Marner done? Like, uh, you know, Zach Hyman leaving shouldn't be the thing that undoes these lines. <laughs> up so much. And again, I think Zach Hyman's a very good player. I think he's underrated for what he does on those lines and complimenting like these star talented, these star players. But, um, the fact that you're just getting n- nothing from any of these star players for Toronto, it's, very concerning because I think you've got all these other guys that, you know, Kosh, if he stays healthy, could be a really valuable piece. Uh, I love that Michael Bunting signing, which looks like he's playing well. When Michael Bunting's playing better than your, like, guys who are, you know, counting over half of your cap space, very concerning. So that team, uh, especially getting beat by the Penguins, who uh, are, like, the most balanced team of all time right now. They have, like, no one in their lineup, and all of them are scoring goals. Dan Highland's got, like, five points in five games. Yep. Evan, Evan Rodriguez is the first-line center, like, playing well, which I did. I thought this was the idea that the, the, the dam finally burst with Pittsburgh and they missed the playoffs. But right now, looks like they're playing pretty well. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the stats right now. Mitch Marner, an ass- one assist in six games. six games. Austin Matthews, zero points in three games. I mean, you can go down the list. Their top three leading scorers right now are William Nylander with five, Jason Spezza with four, and Wayne Simmons with three. So there you go. That, Yikes. That's why your team is failing. <laughs> and Nick Ritchie, who – uh, they, someone at, someone, a reporter called him like lazy or something and Sheldon Keefe was like, no, not, not, not saying that. And yeah. it was like, you, you benched him and he does look lazy out there. So yeah, the Nick Ritchie experiment up in Toronto, not exactly going according to plan. It's funny because Nick Ritchie had a great preseason. He did. If I remember right. Nick Ritchie had a bunch of goals. So who would have, who ever seen that coming? I mean, credit to Sweeney, by the way, for not offering Nick Ritchie a qualifying deal. And same with Kanakasha. Like both were going to be, Kind of just sitting on your, uh, or it would have been just payroll. question marks. Cause I, I mean, again, again, I'm a, I'm a Andre Kasha fan, but it's unfortunate, but you just can't pencil them in with those, that injury risk, which is really unfortunate. Cause I think it's really sidetracked a very talented player, but from just the pure X's and O's roster construction, you couldn't go into a year expecting, you know, the third line, like, well, we've got Kasha again. You just can't <laughs> do it, right? Like it's, no, it's, and- it's really unfortunate, but that's the way it is. And Nick Ritchie too. I mean, you knew like what you had in that. It was just yes. not enough. You know, it just wasn't going to get you over the top. And it, I do agree with Sweeney in that uh, going out and getting Hala and Felino and Nosek is much better than having like Nick Ritchie down there eating up almost $3 million on that third or fourth line left wing. Just 
allocating money better. Um, anyways, before we go, Connor, uh, what can the people look forward to over at BSJ? Yeah, we'll be uh, breaking down a few more uh, question marks over the roster, how guys have fared in new roles, whether it be no sick or even the fact that I think the decord has been a lot more fluid than we thought in terms of, you know, the fact that it's pretty much just been McAvoy and Grizzly for a long, a long stretch here. It really hasn't been uh, as much McAvoy forward as we've expected. So we'll look at a few uh, roster battles or, uh, decisions Cassidy's made in the early going preview, which should be a pretty interesting week ahead. I mean, you've got matchups against Carolina and Florida who look like the top dog in the Atlantic so far. So two games against them in under a week uh, will be an early statement for the Bruins if they're able to get some points against them. So we'll break all that down over at BSJ. So subscribe to bostonsportsjournal.com. Want to follow me on Twitter? You can do that at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Go to all that. For CLNS Media, I'm Evan Marinovsky. You Bruins be listeners. Have a great rest of your week.